Early in my years of pastoral ministry, I was an associate pastor at a large church where my primary responsibilities revolved around ministry to youth. My first summer in this role found me as the director of a week of Christian summer camp for middle school preteens and teens. And the chosen theme for the week was heaven. And it was my responsibility to put together a schedule of classes, evening services, campfire circles and activities, as well as a team of pastors and other volunteers who would help to lead these middle schoolers through this week of camp. Every day we would focus on different aspects of Jesus' second coming, the rapture of his church and our eternal reward in heaven. And as we wrapped up each day around the campfire circle, we would emphasize to the students the need to be prepared, that Jesus could come at any time. And the final question that we asked before dismissing the boys and girls to their respective dormitories for the night was always the same. Are you ready? Now on the fifth and the next to last night, Thursday night, when we asked this question, are you ready? We had arranged for one of our volunteers to blast a trumpet call from a distance away in the forest. That got the attention of the kids. And we asked the question again, are you ready? And the trumpet call sounded again, only this time it was closer. Are you ready? And again, the trumpet sounded even closer. Are you ready? And with that question and the trumpet still ringing in their ears, off to bed the middle schoolers and their adult leaders went. Now, I gotta let you in on a little secret. Prior to this week of camp, a couple friends of mine, we got together and we brought in some speakers. We crawled under the boys' and the girls' dormitories. We placed those speakers and we connected them to a cassette tape player. Yeah, I know that dates me. We did warn all the adults, but we did not let the students know anything about this. And at 2 a.m. on Friday morning, with everyone sound asleep, I snuck out of the boys' dorm, I turned on the sound system, and I hit play on the cassette player. We had pre-recorded that same trumpet call and it blasted into the stillness of the night, waking up every man and boy and woman and girl. There were screams and shouts as lights blinked on. Campers ran out of their dormitories dazed and confused and shaking. And over the next couple of hours in the middle of the night, we had some pretty serious conversations and prayers with those middle school students. Now, maybe... Just maybe I overdid it a little bit. At least that's what some of the churches and the parents thought after the week of camp was over. But I also know for a fact that there are still some 50 plus year old men and women today who remember that crazy night at Christian summer camp. And I know that there's going to be a few more precious souls in heaven someday because some of those kids embraced Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord that night at camp. My point is simply this. Are you ready? Someday, I think very, very soon, Jesus is coming 
for his church. The trumpet will sound and all those who have placed their faith in Jesus, first the dead and then those of us who are still alive, will meet him in the air and so we will be in his presence for all of eternity. The rapture is going to happen and you do not want to be left behind. A study in the book of Revelation. As we continue our verse-by-verse study through this prophetical book today, we want to take a, cl- a look into heaven. So uh, go back a slide. Uh, yeah, there you are. Follow along as I read. Revelation chapter 4. Uh, just follow along in your Bible if you would. There's 11 verses here. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once, John writes, I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald and circled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whatever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. As we take a look into heaven today, let's begin by looking at the rapture of the church. Although the rapture is not specifically mentioned in the book of Revelation, it's certainly alluded to in the transition between chapter 3 and chapter 4. It seems to be the only explanation for how and why the venue of Revelation moves from earth to heaven. Several facts help us to establish the truth of our assumption. First, there's the sequence of events in Revelation. By the time that we reach Revelation 4 and verse 1, we have completed the first two segments of the book as outlined in Revelation 1 and verse 19. What you have seen, that is the view of the majesty and the glory of Jesus in chapter 1, and what is now, that is the condition of the seven churches in chapters 2 and 3. On the book of Revelation chart that we distributed last Sunday, you'll notice that those first two segments take place during the church age, from the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ until the return of Christ for his church, the event that we call the rapture. Sequentially, it's only reasonable to assume that what will take place later, that's the third segment of the book of Revelation, that will occur after the church age, after the rapture of the church. 
Now, a key Greek phrase links the third part of the outline in Revelation 1.19 with the beginning of Revelation 4 and verse 1. The Greek phrase is metatauta, which means later. You see it there in the verse. Or after this. It's used in both verses, in fact. In fact, it's used twice here in chapter uh, 4 and verse 1. A clear indication that the third segment of the book of Revelation begins right here in the fourth chapter. And heaven becomes the focal point. After this I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, John writes. The sequence of events in Revelation. We should also take note of the silence concerning the church. The silence concerning the church. Revelation chapters 4 through 19 talk about one thing in its entirety, and that's the seven-year tribulation on earth. Everything is about the judgment that is going to come upon this earth. And here is the most amazing thing about these chapters. Not once is the church ever mentioned in these chapters. Why? Because the church, you see, has been raptured. All the saints, dead and alive, including Old Testament saints, have been removed from the earth and are now present with Jesus in heaven. A phrase that John uses seven times in chapters 2 and 3 is, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. But in Revelation 13 and verse 9, this phrase is simply shortened to whoever has ears, let them hear. See, the Spirit is no longer speaking to the church on earth. Rather, this is an invitation in these later chapters to anyone and everyone in general to read and to heed the message that is being given. Now, another important clue, I think, that's found is how God is referred to in these chapters 4 through 19. The name by which we would refer to our Father is Father on this Father's Day, right? But in this third segment of Revelation, God is never called Father. He's only referred to as God or as Lord or as Almighty or other kinds of non-personal names. Why? Because His children are no longer addressing Him from earth. They are, in fact, we are, in fact, with Him in heaven. And so there's a silence concerning the church. Then there's the Spirit's transfer from earth to heaven. Now, in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, the Holy Spirit was right there in the midst of the churches on earth. But in Revelation chapter 4 verse 5, it tells us that the Spirit has been transferred now from earth to heaven. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. I think better translated, the sevenfold spirit of God. An obvious reference back to Revelation 1 and verse 4. Now the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 6 through 8 that someone is now restraining the lawless one but that someone will be taken out of the way. Now the lawless one that Paul talks about there in 2 Thessalonians is the Antichrist who will be given free reign during the tribulation. The restrainer of him is the Holy Spirit who works through the church, through us as Christians, here on earth. But when the Holy Spirit and the church that he indwells is taken out of the way, the Antichrist will be free to wreak his havoc 
Revelation chapters 4 through 19 describes a time, literally, when all hell will break loose on earth. And that can only happen because the church and the Holy Spirit have been transferred from earth to heaven at the time of the rapture. The rapture, indicated by a sequence of events in Revelation, by the silence concerning the church, and the Spirit's transfer from earth to heaven. There's so much more we could say and we will say later about that. But with that foundation, we must move on with a closer examination of today's text, Revelation chapter 4. As we take a look into heaven, let's work our way through these verses and let's take note of the record of the throne. Again, John opens chapter 4 with these words, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet, that's Jesus, says to John, Come up here. In other words, leave earth. Come up here to heaven. Now there's no doubt that the key word in chapter 4 is the word throne. Throne. It occurs, in fact, 12 times in only 11 verses. And it is the focal point around which everything else in heaven revolves. Seated upon the throne is the triune God. Seated upon the throne is the triune God. Let's read verse 2 and the first part of verse 3 out loud together. Would you read this with me? At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. So the one that John sees in his vision, seated on the throne of heaven, could only be described by comparison to some of earth's most beautiful objects like jasper and ruby. I don't think that that's accidental, by the way. These are the first and the last stones on the Old Testament high priest's breastplate. And they picture the one who has already introduced himself here in Revelation as the one who is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, Jesus and as we've already noted, Revelation 4 verse 5 tells us the Holy Spirit is in front of the throne. And so the entire Godhead, the Trinity, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is found to be on the throne in heaven. Surrounding the throne is a rainbow. The latter part of verse 3 tells us a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. This rainbow harkens back to God's promise in Genesis 9 verses 13 through 16, never to destroy all living things again by a flood. Now, while great judgments do take place on the earth during the tribulation, the church is in fact safe in heaven, reminded of God's promise of mercy by the emerald-like rainbow that's surrounding his throne. Sitting upon the throne, around the throne, are 24 elders. Look again at verse 4. It says, Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. Well, who are we talking about? We can identify, actually, these 24 elders by the details of this verse, verse 4, and of a few others throughout Revelation that reference these same 24 elders. The fact 
that they were seated on 24 other thrones indicates that they must not be angelic beings but human beings because Revelation clearly teaches us that it's only the church, it's only Christians who will rule and reign with Christ seated on thrones. Now in the song they sing in Revelation 5 verses 8 and 9, the elders refer to having been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus. So that can only mean one thing, that's us. <laughs> the Christians. Again, the elders are representative of the church. In Revelation 19 verses 7 and 8, it tells us that the bride of the Lamb, the church, that's who's dressed in white as it's mentioned here in verse 4. Again, these elders represent you and I, the church. The crowns of gold on their heads, this word crown is the Greek word stephanos, which in the New Testament refers to the victor's crown. This is representative, by the way, of the rewards that we will receive that is given to the church at the judgment seat of Christ when the rapture happens. Again, the elders represent you and I, the church. Sounding from the throne are rumblings and thunder. Notice verse 5. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. Now at Mount Sinai, when the law was given, there was a very similar scene when God descended upon the mountain. It says there was thunder and lightning and the whole mountain trembled violently, Exodus 19. What I want us to understand is that today, right at this moment, right now, we do not approach a throne of rumblings and thunder. We rather approach a throne of grace. Let's read Hebrews 4 verse 16 out loud together. Would you read it with me? Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. But understand that once the church is removed from the earth, the throne of God once be again becomes a source of judgment. The rumblings, the lightning, the thunder. The day of grace is over. The church is raptured. And judgment again comes from God's throne upon the earth. That's mentioned numerous times in chapters 4 through 19, this manifestation of judgment. Spread before the throne is a sea of glass. At the beginning of verse 6 we read, also in front of the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Now this sea of glass, or something like it, is often associated with God's throne in the Bible. Exodus 24 verse 10 refers to a paved surface that is bright blue as the sky. Revelation 21 verse 21 tells us that the great sit street of the city, the, the New Jerusalem or heaven, was of gold as pure as transparent glass. And so this sea of glass before the throne, I think it appears to be a kind of a separator, if you will, between God and everyone else, everything else. Something to keep him apart because he is in fact the one, the holy and the majestic God. Situated in the center, around the throne, are four living creatures. Now if you still have your Bible open, I hope you do, follow along as I read verse 6 through 8 once again. Actually the end of verse 6, it starts, In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. 
The first living creature was like the lion, the uh, second was like an ox, the third had a face like a man, the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Now, I believe that these living creatures may very well be the same as the seraphim that Isaiah encountered in his vision of the throne room of God in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah wrote, Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. And so it seems that the role of these living creatures, these seraphim, these angelic beings, is twofold. First, they exist to offer worship to God. It says in our text here, day and night, they never stop saying. And then that what that they say is described for us both in Isaiah 6 and in Revelation chapter 4. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now, it, it says in Isaiah that they're calling to one another, so I kind of picture it as an antiphonal chorus. You know what an antiphonal chorus is? That's where maybe two of the seraphim over here say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then the two over here respond, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then the two over here here respond, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the two over here respond, holy, holy. It just goes back and forth continuously and it never stops day and night forever and ever. They offer their praise and their worship to the holy God. The second reason it seems that these creatures exist is to execute God's judgment. We'll get to that when we get to chapter 6 when the Lamb, Jesus, opens the first four seals. As he does so, it's these four living creatures who carry out the judgments of those four seals. We'll read about that later in Revelation chapter 6. And then finally, singing to the one on the throne <laughs> are the creatures and Elders. Again, if you have your Bible still open to today's text, I want you to follow along as I read verses 9 through 11 once again. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. And so in the midst of all this lightning and thunder and rumblings, heaven burst forth with worship. Now I know it doesn't say here specifically singing, it only says saying, but I just believe that the glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever surely includes song. Such worship through song is referenced in many other places throughout Revelation. I've given you some of those scriptures there in your notes. And when the living creatures express their worship and praise, the elders, we're told, fall down and lay their crowns before the throne. Now, who are the elders again? It's us. Yes, yeah, the church, okay? 
The, the rewards that we get for serving the Lord are going to get cast right back at the foot of His throne. Our crowns, our rewards, are all that we have in heaven to even offer Him. And so we will remove them and we will lay them before His throne. Now, because the seraphim and all the other angelic beings, they are not redeemed by sin as we are, so they cannot enter into the worship with the church singing, You are worthy, our Lord and God. Because the church, that's us, we are going to have an intimacy of worship in heaven that only those who have been redeemed can truly understand. It's going to be quite a moment when we join our voices together in worship. A study in the book of Revelation. Today we've taken a look into heaven and as we've studied the rapture of the church and the record of the throne as recorded here in Revelation chapter 4. Is it not worrying? I guess not. Doggone, we lost it. Everybody look back, you know. The only time that poor Gretchen and Natasha ever get attention is when it doesn't go right. <laughs> Whatever, okay. Well, it worked this morning. Every time I did it, but it didn't work today. What, what was supposed to happen right then and there? You were going to hear a, ba, 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 ba. a big trumpet sound was going to knock you out of your seat. We even, I even cranked it up so it would be super loud. And because uh, I wanted to shock you <laughs> with the trumpet sound. You see, someday that trumpet will sound. Someday soon Jesus is going to come for his church and all that we have been talking about here in this chapter this morning is going to be set into motion. The question is, and this is what I wanted to ask at the end with a trumpet fanfare, is are you ready? Yeah, are you ready? Now, you can go on to that last slide. In our next session, we're going to focus on Revelation 5, verses 1 through 14, and the scroll and the Lamb. So you want to read through Revelation 5 before we study it together. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time in your word today. There's so much that we need to learn, and we will learn as we work our way through these uh, verses, and as we read, and as we study and discuss this revelation that you gave to John and therefore to us about these end time, last time, after these things events. So teach us and help us to be prepared, Lord. And help us to feel the urgency to share the good news of preparation, the good news of Jesus with those that we run into each and every day of our lives. Lord, we're living in these end times and soon you will come for your church. And soon all of this will begin to happen. And we don't want to be left behind. And we don't want anyone else to be left behind either. So God, would you draw them to yourselves and would you use us as your witnesses 
to share the good news with them so that they can be fully prepared. You are an awesome God. You are worthy. Our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.